Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. I'm delighted to have Alan with me. Alan, I've been plugging away at this uh, new, all new Cop On layout. So, you know, if any, all the listeners can check it out, that would be absolutely marvellous if you wanted to. Um, have you been plugging away at anything today, you know, outside of football? Or have you just been sort of crying in the corner with flashbacks of the the gaps in midfield from Monday night? Hi, Owen. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, just, just getting over. Um, you know, it's just been a funny week, funny game. You know, as we all know out there, it's uh, it's always hard when you lose to Man United. It doesn't matter if it's a great game or a bad game, but we were shocking, shocking. I just luckily, uh, luckily, I, I don't. Well, unluckily, I can't work, but luckily, I don't have to go into work and listen to them. So I feel sorry for the people I had to go in and listen to them the other day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there would there would have been lots of uh, you know taking of the Mickey, extracting of the urine going around all the all around the world because we were we we were god awful um let's get back to that game let's get let's get into that game um the main things for me the main problems there were three of them mainly i think the first one um is the obvious one and it's fatigue like i honestly think that okay we've got we had you know seven or eight major injuries plus you know people like Cade Gordon and Kelvin Ramsey who are also out but you know we're missing Jota, Ibu, Matip etc uh, etc et you know you know who they are and of course from our midfield Navi and Ox we'll talk about later uh, so we're missing loads of players but it's the fatigue uh, that you know was a big problem. Number two um, Jordan Henderson starting in the six, uh, as you know, because we've spoken about it a lots of times. I'm not a fan, and it showed exactly why on 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 Monday night. But like, all you've got to do is ask yourself: Would Milner and or Henderson get into any of our rivals' teams? You know, that's so. There's that. That's number two, and number three. If I can remember what I said. Uh, this morning when I was talking about this with one of my students, um, number three was the tactics. Yes, the tactics were all wrong because for one reason or another, maybe it was just indiscipline on behalf of uh, especially Henderson and Milner, but the, the huge holes that there were in the midfield compared to how wide Diaz and Salah Salah were because they're our most dangerous players and they spent most of the time hanging out in non-dangerous areas so there you go there's a, a few things you can you can pick up on talk about or you can talk about absolutely other things uh go talk about whatever you want rant away oh, yeah well everything you said there is is kind of right uh, spot on uh, well not in order but your question about uh henderson and Miller getting into any other top six team no you know and I think you're a big Henderson fan over the years. I wasn't, um, but I respected him for what he did, which was he was a he was a workhorse. Um, my best friend is an Arsenal fan, and 20 years ago, when the the great Invincibles, people often said, "What's Ray Parler doing that team?" Like, and Ray Parler, we christened them the headless chicken because he was the one that just ran, tackled, ran, tackled, and I always thought that's what Jordan was for us. He was the engine, the legs, the guy that was going to run his heart out in every game. Since last season, he, he just hasn't got it. You know, whether his age catching up with him or um, his legs starting to go. But like, like you said, people, you know, well, last year when when, um, when Jeannie left, 
season four last and then Henderson signed his new deal. Lots of people were saying, oh, look at that, Henderson stays because he's better or whatever. I think Genie had offers, Henderson didn't. I think Henderson is happy in our team. So I don't think he got a big new contract. I think he probably just got an extension at the same wages. But I was hoping, I was delighted because I wanted him to become the new Milner. Joe, the guy that comes in, can fill in in a few positions for the last half hour, 20 minutes or a game here and there. But I feel sorry for him now because he's just, he's just hasn't got it. And the team around him is bad. Like, I don't know where the tactics were the other night, but I've, when I've seen Henderson play in the eight, he wasn't that fast, far forward. Where he was playing the six the other night and he was the farthest forward i ever seen him. So this, I don't know, I can't even, even after a few days of thinking about it all, and I cannot put my finger on it, but there's something wrong, like... Maybe, like you said, it's fatigue and they need some fresh blood in there or something. But I just couldn't get the tactics to their night. I couldn't. And you're right, like the two boys were out in the wings. Like Diaz had a great game for the service he got and stuff, but he was getting the ball out in the wing on the touchline and trying to get in, get in and make a difference, and he couldn't. So I, I just didn't get it. I just didn't get it. It's, it's madness. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, the myriad things that were wrong. I mean, tactically, you can switch it up, can't you? I mean, you can drill you know positional play into your into your players but what you can't do is get rid of the fatigue uh so easily um gary richards is in the chat it's absolutely wonderful i'm going to make this uh, chat a little bit bigger this is live chat coming in T gary richards says tally ho owen liverpool must must fix the problem one he, he, sorry he always refers to himself as one which is absolutely fabulous gary he says one is still besmirched from monday's shower of shite and that's a very good comment um, well said uh, well said <laughs> and gary also says one can't wait to see starwin back yes darwin newness is going to make a big difference to us because as i'm saying again 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 the fatigue that we have darwin's looks fresh he's young he's hungry so we want someone who's who's fast and quick and full of energy we need i would say we need two midfielders before the window shuts which is in five days as we as we as we're doing this so I, we need two midfielders. We need a dynamic one that I've been talking about for ages, like a number six, someone who can cover a number six, an Ingolo Kante profile, uh, you know, that kind of that kind of midfielder, and yes. possibly someone who can, you know, get their foot on the ball. We've been linked with De Jong. Would he be some kind of solution for you or one of them? Because I think you're in agreement with me. I think you, you agree that we need two, don't you? Oh, yes, definitely we need two. Um, yeah, De Jong would be a great signing, um, I think. Yeah, I, I like him. Um, and uh, he obviously doesn't want to go to Man United and who would blame him. So if he wants to come to us, I'd be quite happy to take him. Um, but like you said, we need someone else too. Now, I don't have a name. Um, I don't know too many, but like, uh, there's surely somebody out there that they've already scouted and are watching and stuff. So there must be. And I know we don't do it. And I know... Um, Jorgen is famous for saying he doesn't buy players just for the sake of it. He waits for the right player. But all the competitions we were in last year, all how far we got in everything, we are totally wasted. And if FSG, who I have no problem with, you know, I, I, I like the way our club is run to an extent. But I did say before, and I say it again, the need to invest in one new player every season, whether they need them or not, you know, for the next step. And I think FSG now should stump up money even if it's a 30 million pound player from somewhere that's 29 or 30 and we get two years out we need to stop this rot 
because we all see how far and go if you start going down and down it's hard to get back up our midfield like you know let's say ox ox would have been gone this year if anyone would have bought him i'd say nabby who i think is a world-class player in his day even i've given up on him you know he's just if he's going to the match tomorrow you'd be watching him getting off the bus in case he strains himself um, <laughs> it's just it's not good enough for a team that's fighting in all positions to have players like that it's not criticism of Jorgen because Jorgen is a very loyal, loyal to his players. I think maybe it's time he just you know, got a little bit tough on a few of those players. Like if there is an offer on the table for Naby that there's supposed to be, I would snap it. I think I'd rather play in a young player of 20 in his position. He's going to be there every week. You know, it's it's gone beyond that. Um, you know, there's a few players there over the summer that we probably could have signed. Like I know the scenes have went far into Tuchimani, but he went went to Madrid, so he went. But Liverpool don't only have one player. They always have two or three lined up. So whoever the second player is, go and get him now. I wonder, um, Gary Richards has a very good comment again. He said, did anyone see that Bobby was in defence the whole bloody time? I wonder if Bobby can actually move back there, like seriously. Because I think he's got all the attributes. But then, of course, we need to replace Bobby uh, going forward. But, you know, um, I think that's... uh, that's something that could work. And, uh, you know, Joe Flynn is in the house. Hello, Joe. Great to have you with us. He says, play Big Nat up front. Yes. <laughs> now there's the solution. There's thinking outside the box and uh, slamming one in from outside the box with your head. Uh, excellent stuff. Um, yeah, that's a really good idea. But uh, no, I think uh, I think maybe Bobby can move there. Um, mm. Because you know he's he's got all the attributes. He started as as a defensive midfielder, of course. Uh, so that could be a that could be something. But I, I want to talk about individuals. I want to have a proper rant, okay? Uh, even Allison at the back. I mean, pff, he wasn't very good for Rashford's goal. His positioning was all wrong. Um, but his I don't know if uh, you can't really complain too much apart from that, which was the winning goal. Um, but yeah, Trent, Trent is interesting one to talk about. I mean, we're going to yeah. start at right back, go through, go through some of the team, if not all of them. Um, I don't know if you've seen the video, have you, Alan, that went around of Trent for uh Jadon Sancho's goal? Because yes. not only, I mean, very visibly, people will remember if you haven't seen this video. How he just played, they just played a one two around him, and he was statuesque like the Venus de Milo. And, uh, but if you actually keep watching what Trent does, he just sort of stops and he just doesn't look like he even, he even, he even cares, you know, he's just stopped and he could have run across when, when like Milner did, ran across him and chucked himself in front of the ball, which is exactly what you should do. Bravo, Jimmy Milner. Uh, for that um, and you know Milner was shouting at Virgil as well because Virgil was rubbish we'll talk about it um, for that goal and um, maybe in general in the match but Trent in that goal he was literally he was walking and you know he, he barely even walked he only decided to walk after a little while towards Jadon Sancho but a fully committed player could easily have got there and and blocked that shot and it's very very worrying and you told me before we started that you're a little bit worried about Trent's Trent's body language. Is that right, Alan? Yeah, I, I, I taught this last season. That, you know, um, I think halfway during the season we spoke about people were talking about Trent going into midfield. And I think I said, I started to agree with it, even though I didn't before, because he just doesn't look happy anymore. He doesn't, 
let me say I'm a big believer in body language and people and I've at my age you've seen it happen before. I don't know if Trent is slightly unhappy, he needs more a new challenge and I'd rather see him have a new challenge in our midfield than go somewhere else. Um, but if you remember Trent even two years ago or la- last season the year before last season he was always happy he'd make a run you'd see him smiling and you know you see him on these videos now where they're doing this mind um, I don't know the name but the, the thing in his head and to help calculate his positions to do it to all the players but Trent apparently took to it very well it's like I don't know if it's a case that he's just unhappy or that he's just so focused on being perfect that he's not actually enjoying his football um, I don't know if that makes any sense the way I'm saying it, but it does. Um, yeah, no, it really does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, maybe he's just he's a perfectionist. Maybe he's he's yeah. not happy because you know he's not feeling he's not feeling that uh, anything's going well on the pitch, and you know he's quite an emotional guy. Yeah. So you can just see it written on his face. Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. if he's then if he's exhausted, which I think all of them are, and just hasn't doesn't have the energy. Certain times, it's it's going to affect them deeper. Like. Like you said, the other night, and we all know Trent had some problems in defending, like you know that ball against um, Fulham and stuff. Like that we all know that, but we've accepted it because he goes forward, and that's his job. But the last few games, like like you said, that goal there um, Monday night, it just didn't look like Trent. You know, it just didn't. There was no reaction. There was no emotion even after it. You know, so I don't know. I'm muffling on a bit now, but there's something not right in the camp. There's something. People are overtired, or there's something. And I think maybe a move to midfield when Ramsey comes back, maybe for a few small gains, might re energize him. But something wrong. Our whole back four needs a rest nearly. It's with him and Robbo as well. Like. Yeah, totally, totally. It's it, it, it does look that way, but I mean, you know, we can't rest the whole team. No, um, but no, absolutely. And we've got we've got loads of comments coming in. Um, Jack from Anfield Road TV is in the. He said, Hi, "I can jump on if there is space." I've just emailed you. I mean, sent a link to WhatsApp. So if you want to come and join us, Jack, that would be absolutely lovely. Um, yeah. Uh, so there you go. And uh, oh, Alan's here as well. He says, "Afternoon, it's Alan from the Cop on WhatsApp group." great to have you with us al and uh yeah if you uh you know if if anyone wants to wants to you know join the cop on whatsapp group just send me an email cop on podcast at gmail.com it'd be absolutely lovely to have you with us um so yeah going through the team yeah with the thing with trent i think that's very very uh true everything you're saying there i mean it could be loads of different things but he just it is a bit worrying i agree with you the way that the way that his his body language is the way that he he doesn't look that interested and um yeah with with the fatigue and i don't know what it is i don't know what it is because he's got his uh he's got his um his place in the england squad to fight for you know and and that was not a fighting performance that was very weak uh the other day so yeah, there's Trent. Um, I'll bring up some stats in a minute uh, when I find the correct window um, for yeah for Liverpool. But um, yeah, two one Manchester United. It's horrible. It's a horrible feeling because I don't think they were that good. If you look at their performance, I mean, they were disciplined, and that was uh, a, a remarkable thing. Like as in, you can remark on it uh, because um, it's it was in stark contrast contrast to us i mean you know the the henderson was sometimes playing as a nine and milner was sometimes playing as a nine with our wingers really wide it's it's such a it's such a sad game to look back on i thought when fabinho came on we 
we had a lot more control as in when we lost the ball which was way too often we were able to get it back quite quickly um but united were allowing us to to have the ball a bit and you know the lack of imagination is another thing that was very noticeable from that match but yeah moving across the defense to virgil then i mean apart from you know the diabolical you know defending in, in, in for the first goal for sancho where he just sort of stood there with his hands behind his back trying to disappear like a dog that's been caught oh jack's here um uh, you know like a dog that's been caught munching on a you know or you, you know eating all the the dogs eating all the cookies you know um that we're talking about virgil jack hello jack um yeah so oh jack know, well, uh, jack i'm gonna bring you right in here um what did you make of virgil van dyke's p- performance or, or or you know other than the you know awful you know work for the first goal was it was it all right i mean is there something really to worry about i mean he played he did a couple of beautiful passes long passes but i don't know is there something missing jack yeah, no, Alan was spot on. We spoke to him, we Alan and also the folks back. Uh, yeah. But thank, yeah, thank you very much for having me on, Owen. Um, but yeah, it's oh, lack of defending me was probably the best word. So the lack of it, as you both alluded to already, it was very strange when you were so accustomed to really watching this Liverpool side over the last three to four years be excellent in every aspect of their game, but. The, the basic defending, as you already alluded to, the, is it down to fatigue? I think that's going to be a massive factor. Um, but most importantly, the mental side. I think you listen to Henderson off the back of last season's parade. I think it was good for the fans. But And Jürgen, after the, the parade, said it gave the players a boost. But they need help, uh, most importantly. I think these players need help and, and the coaching staff as well. It, it Jürgen Klopp going back to the well again and again. I was listening to it just I listened to like I think the majority of his press conference today, and yet again he's coming out with the same things. And he's more or less paraphrasing, but he said he, he wants to collect the team together. And if the signs don't come in, he didn't say that there would be signings, but he said he likes that. It's he likes it as a manager to. The, the whole world against the club and against him as a manager. And he likes to define the expectations from outside the football club. Um, it's a typical, I think it's a typical Liverpool thing to do as well. And uh, But yeah, the, the lack of defending, I don't know what it is, mate. It's, I think he's believed in his own hype, would you say? Yeah, Van Dijk, obviously we know how good he can be, but I think sometimes you just need to, a kick up the backside and, that's certainly what James Milner. Oh, oh, I wish there was a camera in that changing room after the game. <laughs> Would have been a couple of boots flying and and everything and, and choiced weird said anyway. Well, I mean, if I'd been there, I would have got the baseball bat out, you know, maybe a few, uh, you know, what do they call them? Ninja stars? Um, I don't know. Uh, um, I don't know. I would have brought it all out. Um, you know, the 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 saucepan, someone would have, got, would have got a comedy dong on the back of the head. Um, Alan, I mean, you know, that's a really good answer from, from Jack there. I mean, it's really interesting. I, I haven't seen Klopp's um, pre, pre-match press conference, but uh, that, those are interesting words, um, you know, about 
you know, defying, you know, all of the criticism and, and, and the whole world's against us, all of that is good. And if we, if we're to take a step back, um, you know, obviously it's been, you know, piss poor, you know, this, this start of the season, basically in two words, if you were to sum it up. Um, but, you know, Jurgen Klopp must learn, it, like he's a problem solver, it, 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 it appears, and he's someone who does learn from the past, we hope. We know he has a stubborn streak. We know that he persists for the benefit of the team with players who we might have binned off long before, like Lovren, Mignolet, going back to the past. But Jurgen Klopp is definitely the right man, isn't he, Alan, to, to, to take us out of this if he, if, he, if he doesn't stubbornly stick to the idea that we don't need any midfielders. Is that Fair enough. I mean, oh yes, I, you know, um, Jorgen has enough credit in the bank for a for a bad season with us. Definitely, um, my my fear is that the difference between the likes of Milne and Lovren that he stuck with at, at the beginning was we hadn't got the money to spend or we weren't spending, so we were kind of stuck with them until until we got going. Whereas I think now at the moment, um, especially when he signed his new contract, there was the last season or I really thought. FSG were going to give him 200 million to go and spend, if you know what I mean. That's okay. So that that was kind of a bit, um, how would you say, surprising when that didn't kind of happen. You know, I was worried about that. But like Jorgen's personality is um, that he gets players together, he gets them all happy and, and to work hard for him. Um, and no matter who you are in life, like I was supervisor or manager in a few jobs over over my life, and uh, I always had a happy crew. But there also comes a day when the crew lets you down, and you have to just turn around and say, "Okay, it's time to kick some butt," you know. And I, I think that's at the stage where he is. He has to he has to just turn around and say, "Right, you know, Nabby Ox, you know, never. That's it. Thanks very much. You've gone, and SFG just need to give him the money to buy two new midfielders and prevent also prevent Jorgen from getting frustrated in the job because like Jorgen is a man that, that values um I would say he's an old school like myself, he's honor and stuff. And if he feels that the players are not playing for him and he's lost the dressing room and that sort of way, he could walk away like he did in Dortmund. He could say, Okay, I've done my best. That'd be my fear. Because he's too damn good of a manager to to lose. So I'd hope the SFSG opened a checkbook up now and buy two new midfielders, even if they're only a Thirty year olds for for two years. Well, we need them now. We don't want to go in a big slump. Jorgen is still the Jorgen is still the man. Absolutely. I mean, it's a really good point because uh, you know he's uh, there was there was the Dortmund director or, or chairman or owner, one of them, who said uh, you know he would in hindsight rather have sacked the entire team in order to keep Jurgen Klopp, Jack. You know, and that's that's something that we we have to bear in mind is that you know this 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 huge like disparity with Chamberlain and Cater injured if we had you know players around 28 years old in our team in midfield that would be that would be fabulous wouldn't it but you know we need other things as well I don't know but there's five days left of the transfer window are, are you confident Jack we're going to actually bring anyone in and if so who who would you like um it's it's mad. It's it's gonna be mad in a boys and 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 chat as well. It's it's a very volatile market, and that's the worst case we can be in. Like if we were going to buy a house and we were going into a market that we didn't really necessarily obviously we'll have the funds for, 
and we've got funds as Alan's alluded to over the over the great success we've had in recent years. But if we go into a, go in for the midfielder now, and if we did get manage to get rid of one or two at the club in terms of a Navigator or an Ox. And Ox isn't going to go nowhere because he's quite content with his wages and he's injured currently, so he's sat on his backside at home. Happy days for him, but it's just a dangerous market. The way I've looked at it now, if Liverpool were to come into the market now for a midfielder, the price would go up 50% or even more in excess because the, 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 the percentage of quality world-class midfielders that would potentially come into Liverpool's midfield, we're looking at what? two, three, four midfielders in the whole of Europe. And if Liverpool wanted to prize their best asset in terms of their club and, and given the, the the time frame in which is left in the window for the rest of Europe, it's it's a game of poker, really. It's like who's going to blink or who's going to bluff and who's going to move first and last. So, yeah, it's, it's not ideal, is it, for Jürgen Klopp, as we spoke about. He would have liked to have seen him, but as he said this week, or it was last week, he said, basically he put his hands up and said, I'm not in charge of the, the transfers, which is, he's probably right. It's the people up above him that are doing the business. And obviously, and most importantly, it's so important to get players out the door and lads and chat. We had it with, before Jürgen Klopp come in, he had the likes of Alberto Moreno and the to Dross that was at the football club. <laughs> it, it's it's one thing signing these players for whatever club it is, but it's so difficult because you don't want to be put in a situation, say, if Liverpool did bring in, as Alan said, a 30-odd-year-old in, in the excess of like two years and he's on 80, 120k, they're not going to leave. So it's does Jürgen Klopp bite his, bite his tongue and go, right, for the next six months, we'll sit tight. But it's such a dangerous game to play in it, lads. And I think the most important thing is other teams round us. Liverpool were probably Liverpool and City were on a level over the last three to four years. But I think that gap has been bridged by the other clubs below us this season that they've spent. Everyone's going, oh, the money they've spent. Those clubs, Arsenal and Tottenham, have had to spend to get up at least to Liverpool's level. And I think that's the case. They potentially we will see a lot more points dropped throughout the whole of the league, mate. But yeah. It's dangerous, very dangerous if Liverpool are going to be going in for a player. It's a really good point um, about the market and market factors and how loads of clubs will know that Liverpool really want to sign a midfielder so they put the price up. You know, um, On that, Alan, I mean, the, I would say to counter that, you could, you could give Liverpool a budget of like, I don't know, for one midfielder, 30... Five million. Let's be optimistic. FFG, FSG say, okay, Jurgen, you've got thirty-five million, so you can call around tons of clubs. I would say, for that money, you could just say to a club, "I'll give you thirty-five million. That's the price that came to my mind because that's the price that that is rumored for Conor Gallagher, which would seem an absolute bargain for me. But I reckon you'd be able to get someone who's like 21, 22 years old. With a lot of scope, it doesn't have to be like Jack was saying that it doesn't. We have to get a world class midfielder, like you know, people at the top of the transfer pyramid. I would say we can get someone from the from the rung down that would still improve us greatly for thirty five million, and you just say take it or leave it. And I reckon we could identify maybe fifteen or twenty midfielders across Europe who could improve us. And that's that's what we could do tactically is just say, look, this is it. Final offer. 
are you going to sell it to sell them to us or not and then if you're a club in france if you're a club in portugal if you're a club in spain 35 million is a ton of money especially with today's exchange rate so you know they they might be uh they might be well up for that what what do you reckon alan yeah i agree with you 100 percent. and and we need a player like that because uh, I don't know, I think uh, the whole world seems to think we're going after Jude Bellingham next year and that's fine. He's a good player and I'd like to see him at the club. But as you're saying there, it's not we don't need just one. We need two or three midfielders and a player of that that um in that tier, if you put like you said, if you put in an offer for a fairly good player and that player wants to come to Liverpool, he can make the move happen. It's not just that the club can say, Oh no, we want fifty million certain players out there that would jump at the chance to play for us. So uh, Conor Gallagher 35 million is that rumored? I would snap him up. I would snap him up in the morning. He was he's a sensational player and going to get better. Um, but yeah. surely one or two more like him as well around, like you said, in France or somewhere. But yes, we need, we don't just need a, a one player. We need a couple of players in midfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, I think, but I think they are there, Jack. I think they are there. I mean, of course, we only watch the football that we watch. Um, but for example, from the Portuguese league, uh, signing for PSG uh, this summer, there was Vitinha, who was who has been absolutely sensational so far. But, I mean, PSG, of course, they've got you know Messi and Mbappe and uh, Neymar up front. But uh, you know, in midfield, he's made a big difference. They've scored seventeen goals in three matches, which is uh, which is balmy. Um, but uh yeah i mean i think they're out there it's just we don't you know because we we only watch what we watch um you know they, we're limited as to as to who we could recommend you know from the premier league i would say for example christian norgard would be absolutely magnificent for us um you know i love that guy uh conor gallagher yeah um you know put put in their cheeky 30, 30 million for another injury prone and golo kante because when he's no, maybe not. He's too injury prone. We don't need another crock. I don't know. Um, have you got any names, Jack? Have you got any people who can fit into that bracket? Not the not the first tippy top the of the pyramid, but on that rung down. Yeah, <laughs> you used to both watch me videos for the last couple of years and and chat as well. My main man will be Barella, but yet again, he's just signed a new deal. I think he predominantly plays on that right hand side of the midfield three. To, for Inter as well. So for me, he's more suited, especially in the Inter Milan system, in terms of how, how, how far up their fullbacks, especially Dumfries, did you play with attacking fullbacks? And that's exactly what Liverpool do. And he preoccupies the defensive space and his ball recoveries are quite good. But yet again, he is, for me, I'd be going for him ahead of Bellingham. Um, obviously, he's got an Inter. Recently, the other financial issues, but I'm not too sure in terms of how how best placed they are currently. But for me, he fits the the perfect model for Liverpool. I think he's about 25, 26. He's got vast amounts of experience. But for him, and and there was, I was looking at FBF Owen. Obviously, you guided to me that to that website a couple of seasons ago. Great, everyone, definitely everyone just check that out. And I was looking at Tushemeni in terms of when he did go to Real Madrid. And the similar players and the most identical player to Tusha many in terms of statistics was Thiago Alcantara. And then he was the, the top player. And then there was a similar player, the Algerian midfielder from AC Milan. Um, he's predominantly a left footer. Uh, Benesir, I think it's Benesir or, or something in relate to that. But his stats are quite good 
Um, but as you said, gents, it's going to be there's a lot of names and Liverpool predominantly when we got Salah and Mane, they weren't number one target on our board, were they? I think Jurgen Klopp was quoted a couple of seasons ago saying they were like third or fourth choice. So similar with the midfielders, boys, even if we can't get our number one target, and even a Paulinho, I don't know how he's the other lad that absolutely bossed us on the first weekend of the Premier League. Yeah, the lad that brilliant went to, player. Absolutely. Uh-huh. He's from, gone to Fulham. Fulham. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love him as a player, but I think he's one of them that slipped under the net for a lot of clubs. But yeah, even a player like that. But as I said, boys, and if at the end of the day, we could be ended up playing. Um, a Brexit midfielder, James Milner, Jay Speed, and uh, Jordan Henderson in a couple of weeks. If uh, if everything go, well, if everything doesn't go to plan. Um, but Ray yeah, Houghton's it, still around, isn't he? You can bring him yeah. back. Get uh, Jan I think he get, could do a better uh, yeah. job than certain players. Oh, He'd definitely do a better yeah. job. Jan Moby more available than Naby Keita at this race, even at the age of 50. Um, <laughs> Maybe there's a great comments coming in. Yeah, of course, is in the chat. Hello, yeah, of course. He says, I believe it's a case of Jurgen being too good at his job for his own good. He's met every expectation and often exceeded them working within the financial parameters. Hence, no additional funds or financial perimeters, even, which is a nice, nice way of phrasing it. Um, yeah, I mean, in that case, it would be up to Jürgen to, to insist this time that, you know, he gets some additional funds because he's been so good with the, you know, saving, of course, our net spend is something around about £320 million less than Manchester City. So, you know, if you, if, if you, you know, think about that as, as eight 40 million players 40 million pound players uh you know that would be nice to bring in before the uh before the window goes but of course we can't compete with them but you know you you would hope that we could get uh you know get, so, get Jürgen could could say you know i need i need 80 i need 80 million before the end of the end of the window i mean you know fsg I, he's he clearly made more than that in over his time with us uh gary richard says what's stopping liverpool going to inter with money and navi cater i mean that's a really good question i don't know what's stopping us gary if we were in charge we'd be there we'd be we'd be uh, we'd be, we'd have an italian ice cream sitting on the piazza del duomo as we speak waiting for a phone call from inter's uh, sporting director absolutely um you know yeah of course says inter not uh, you know the reason is that Inter aren't interested in Navi. Uh, yes, that could be the case. That could be the case. Uh, Aid D is in the house. Hello, Aid. Uh, he says just a few months ago, many people were saying it was maybe the best Liverpool team ever. Now with all the injuries, we are all panicking. We can't have unending cover for everyone. Trust Jurgen. Now that's a really interesting comment. Thanks, Aid. Alan, I mean, there is the fact that we dislike manchester united um you could say hate but not but it's not the same level of hate as it is for that we have for you know other things that we do actually genuinely hate it's only football so i'm gonna say dislike we dislike manchester united we especially hate losing to them in that especially in the way that we did lose to them so is there a way that all of us fans because of the disappointment, are overreacting a little bit. And as Aid says, we're all panicking. We need to chill out. We need a bit of perspective. 
collective just trust Jurgen, have a chill out you know if you can't be in the piazza del duomo you can go and get your own italian ice cream sit outside enjoy the uh the fresh air uh what do you reckon alan are we, are we all just panicking too much well personally i don't think so because i panicked at the first game um it's not it's not our first time to start off slow in a season or stuff but it was the it's, it was the manner of the defeats manner of the draws the man united did to us the other night what i seen average liverpool teams do to man united for years a game of their life tackle win every ball like i think we had 70 percent possession the other night like uh but even when we went got that goal when more got that goal there was there wasn't the usual yes we're going to get this it was just like well, at least we got a goal so i think that's why people are probably you know panicking a bit more and of course losing to united makes it even worse but it's not just a united game it's just it's the fatigue the tiredness there's something wrong that first game against fulham people were saying oh liverpool underestimated fulham's first game up that's crap we've analysts and everything there that know exactly what fulham are going to do on the first day up so the analysts have done their work but the players can't perform so it's not i get i guess his point he's right Losing the Man United makes it 10 times worse. But if you sit back, especially after a day or two, and you look at it and you realise we were utter shite. And that Martinez for, for, for United and Ferran, they were super. And just to go back to your point you said earlier on, on about a midfielder, we need someone that's kind of a boss in midfield. If you notice, Martinez was nudging people and he was getting in their face all game, which after the game I sat back and I, I appreciated it because it was our player doing it, I'd be delighted. But nobody stood up to him until near the end. And who stood up to him? Mo Salah, the quiet fell on the pitch. Yeah, that yeah. to me was what caught me. It was the performance, the attitude, the players in all three games. So it's I a agree. great point. It's a great point that we're extra angry after United. But you have to look beyond that. I hoped it was. I hoped it was uh, that we had underestimated them against Fulham. I, I hoped it was that. But no, I mean it was. It was yeah. clear we were just, you know, undercooked. We're just not ready. You know, it's like uh, I don't know if you've ever taken uh, something out of the oven, Jack, and it's just, you know, it's still there's nothing crispy there. It's all just a floppy mess, a sloppy floppy mess. Uh, that's kind of what we were against Fulham. Um, yeah, uh, but, you know, just playing the devil's advocate here, um, you know, is there a case that when uh, Matic gets back, he'll be back sooner or later, maybe a couple of weeks, still a couple of weeks away, or maybe even a month, let's be pessimistic. So he'll be back by the end of September. Let's say Ibu will be back by the end of October. It's a long season. Uh, Jota will be back, let's say, by the end of October as well in a couple of months. Is it a question of, of of staying patient and and thinking? Well, we'll just we'll just make do until then because I don't believe that. I'm just asking the question. Yeah, to the to the cooking point, mate. Yeah, many a time, especially with my cooking, uh, it's probably burnt or undercooked <laughs> or yeah, <laughs> <laughs> have to go out and get a takeaway or something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's a lot of factors in it, and I'm spot on. It's. It's it's mad that we come into a season underprepared, and the fact that Liverpool were wanting to play extra games behind closed doors. If it's an option of we had to, we literally cancelled the game against Aston Villa. Um, was it a day twenty four hours before? Because not just Liverpool, but Aston Villa were were very much <laughs> depleted heavily with their injuries as well. But it's it's difficult. And for one player, I don't know how you lads feel and, and chat and everyone listening, 
Jota. I miss Jota so much. In, in, I know the back end of the season, he was a bit in terms of his ball retention, but he adds that bit of attitude to the squad, a bit of nastiness. Um, he, um, he's like similar in terms of the attitude with Suarez and obviously other players we've had in the past. You, you hate him if he's on the opposition team, but you love him if he's your player. And obviously the, the games in which we had last season, especially Leicester coming to Anfield and the League Cup, the nonsense they were singing and obviously Arsenal fans thinking they'd already progressed to the final of the League Cup anyway. And then Jota rocks up to the Emirates, two quick goals and winning the final. So him, I think his goal his goal output was is quite remarkable when you look at his record. He's like an excess of 45 goal contributions and 50-odd games for Liverpool which is quite ridiculous when you analyse that and look at the numbers, him and Salah, <clears throat> especially when you, we have lost Sadio Mane. I think Mane scored four or five goals already, and it's easy. The Bundesliga, it wouldn't surprise me if he breaks Robert Lewandowski's record that he that he, that he he got last year anyway, because he, he is one of the best players on the planet, Mane, and he'll complement the, the German league so much. But um, I look at it, and Liverpool haven't, Yes, we brought in Darwin Nunes, didn't help when he uh, threw an head or whatnot, whatever he done. It's Liverpool's goals this season. It's all right, one one aspect of Liverpool's game when we are conceding goals. Oh, that's not all right, but when you look at it, just Liverpool at the minute, we don't look like scoring goals. And that's a scary point. I think I went to the game on Monday against Palace a couple of weeks ago, and we got the ball out wide, and there was about five, six players making the same run into the box. There's no one showing to feet, coming to the ball, trying to drag out a, a midfield or a centre-half. And and I think if that's the same case, when we get to like 25 minutes into the first half, hopefully we blitz Bournemouth, but we've got to think of it. If it's if we get to half-time, nil-nil again, it's, it's going to be same same thing all over again. Hopefully that's not the case. but And even set-pieces, boys. We don't look like scoring a set piece for the for our for the days. It could be like we could have been in that Man United game and just keep on whipping in balls. It's almost like I don't know. Let's be. You look at it and go when you when you watch on match of the day or whatnot. If you watch a week a game at the weekend, teams that actually I know Liverpool scored. I think it was the second amount of set pieces last season, which is mad. But this season it's very strange. There's a lot of different strange things going on. But set pieces don't know you lads feel. We don't look like scoring. <laughs> it's a really good it's a really good point yeah we don't look like scoring in, in, in any which way like yeah you're absolutely right the 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 lack of i mean the lack of uh you know invention the lack of movement at times giving the ball away i mean i was speaking to someone this morning who works uh with with league art and he said he's he watched the last 20 minutes of it and he was shocked at alan at the lack of technical skill that's that's how he phrased it the lack of technical skill from Liverpool and uh, yeah in terms of creating chances taking chances Jota we've missed him a lot uh, Gary Richards in the chat asks when is Jota fit that's a great question jo- um, Gary Richards and, I, and, and, and I, I wish that our journalists would just say when it, when are they fit you know, they never do in the press conferences and all this stuff about, well, Klopp likes to keep his cards close to his chest. That's bollocks. They just don't ask him the right questions. They say, when is Jota back? Then Klopp would say, oh, I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, we're looking at between two and five weeks, but I don't want to put a time limit on it. He'll answer the question if you ask him. 
and just say when can we you know is he back by the end of october for example who knows there was this is anfield.com i just looked up there was a, a story from august the second um saying he might be back in two weeks so obviously that's been and gone uh i don't know but in terms of attacking alan i mean harvey elliott tried a few lovely little passes um mo salah ended up with four key passes for most in our team despite being stuck out wide um mo salah's ball retention was awful though 67 percent uh where he can get up to you know 86 87 percent when he's at his best so 20 percent below his best and he was probably our best player you know um mm. going forward Luis Diaz his his beautiful goal in, in the game before the equalizer um was just an, a solo effort the patterns of play aren't there is that just because of we're missing Tiago who's like sort of you know opens everything up is it because both of our fullbacks are knackered Andy Robertson you wanted to talk about didn't you Alan I don't know talk about the the anything you want yeah well it's a good point um because like just let, let's say Trent Trent is normally one of our most um inf influential players coming up the wing putting in good crosses even him, not just in this game, but particularly in this game, he was hitting wild crosses that were going way too far across the box out for corner for kickouts. Um, so tactically, our, our tactical play wasn't great. Um, Thiago is going to be missed in any team, but it was more than that. Like even sorry, even to go back to Mo Salah, Mo Salah was the most dangerous player when he got the ball. Like you said, he had four key key passes or whatever, but we couldn't get the ball to him. And when we did get the ball to him. Also, Mo sometimes gets the ball out in that wing and he turns back and there's someone there to pass it back to or take a second ball. They weren't there. You know, the, the pattern to play in midfield, you know, as we said earlier on, Henderson was farther up the pitch than Bobby most of the game and he was supposed to be in the six. So just tactically, the whole game just seemed to fall apart. Um, Robbo, yes, I did like, I would like to talk with Robbo because if anyone remembers listening to our first show last season, a few of us said that Robbo needed a rest. That Simakas has played great in the preseason. Now we can rest Robbo. It didn't happen enough. And I think Robbo looks exhausted. He does. Like Simakas to me is a better crosser of the ball. Uh, he's a better player up front, uh, you know, that way. It's Robbo's energy up and down, get to the line put the ball in low across the box. That's what he does, but he's struggling to do it. Uh, fatigue. Personally, I think uh, Simicast needs to start the next few games. Not only to give Robbo a rest, it can also regenerate a player, get a bit of anger in them, get a bit of, you know, I'm an Irish fan, obviously. I remember the World Cup in 1994 in America when Ray Houghton was dropped by Jack Charlton and Jack Charlton was saying things like, oh, he's not playing, he's not great, he hasn't been training well. Brings him on first game against Italy and score, scores a cracker and said after the game, I was so angry with Jack Charlton. That's how I played so well. So I think something like that needs to happen to a few of these players that nothing against Robbo, love him the bits. But if you know you're playing every week as well, it does, after a while, you don't put in the performance or you don't push that extra mile or that extra bit in training. So the rest were doing good. It gives him a cast more game time and it would get Robbo a little bit more fighting for his position. Um, it's a great, that, yeah. Yeah, and that there's a few players across the pitch like that, like you know, that need a need to know they're not on the on the pitch guaranteed every week. Yeah, uh, it's a great answer. I, I I would say that, and 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 you know, it takes a toll. That's why they're knackered as well. Mm. But no, the competition for competition for places is is a really good point. I think part of last season, you know, the 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 um, we lost a bit of intensity towards towards the end of the season as as fatigue did 
did kick in. But you could see, for example, between Mane and Luis Diaz, they were really trying their guts out because they they knew they were they okay. Manny moved into the middle and was absolutely amazing, but they knew that, you know, once Jota was back, that maybe they would lose their place. And, you know, it, it, exactly. it really helped uh, the, those two. I, on the other hand, on the flip side, it didn't help Jota, in my opinion, because he lost some of his confidence when Luis Diaz came in because he, he was like, oh my God, look how good that guy is. I'm never going to play again. It seemed that way. Anyway, um, but I don't know. I mean, this, we've got great, great comments coming in all the time. Gary says, where do Liverpool go from here? Jack, we're going to Bournemouth or Bournemouth are coming to Anfield. Are you going to be there? Are you going to be at Anfield? Yeah, it was meant to be going, um, but because you're going to watch along, mate. Um, okay. It's 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 the perfect, um, don't clip me, anyone. Uh, everyone's been saying tentatively, uh, really. It, ideally, on paper, it looks like the perfect game but it could flip on its head very quickly Easily, uh, yeah. yeah it could yeah. flip on its head massively yeah, yeah. um but and um, yeah i just we, we're fans aren't we most importantly fair most and, and we've watched a lot of football in our time and results you never know and especially with palace and um, palace going back to the etihad uh, i think he took four points off manchester city last season and probably City will will probably most likely rock up to the Etihad before and up in the first twenty minutes, but we can only hope. <laughs> um but if the unthinkable does happen again and Palace somehow take some points away from Manchester City. And as I said, and we've all said this season already, the strength of the Premier League. I will be very surprised if City do have another ninety point season this year. Just due to the sheer strength of the the, the rest of the Premier League and even teams down from 10th to 20th in the Premier League. I think they'll be probably, we will see probably one of the strongest Premier Leagues we've seen this year. Uh, well, over the last couple of seasons, mate. But yeah, um, I've, I've got a fan opposition preview tonight on at nine, um, which will be interesting to see. Obviously, they won 2 0 um, first match week against Aston Villa, who are under quite severe pressure with Steven Gerrard. But yeah, Kiefer Moore. I think that's one aspect I'm really concerned about going into this game. The way in which, obviously, Alan alluded to the, the inability of Trent over the last three weeks of just doing the basic defending. We've seen again, Old Trafford, he, he give up. But the way Mitrovic climbed all over him when we played Fulham the first week, Kiefer Moore... Carry on, but yeah, Kiefer Moore is He's an absolute unit. Mm-hmm. And the way teams will be going to playing up against Liverpool in the coming weeks, it's going to be a madness of a schedule, but teams will be identifying, and they have done over the last three weeks of this Premier League for Liverpool and Jürgen and the tactical team and the tactical team need to identify a, a plan of action, neither B, C and D. And we spoke about Alan and you maybe before the come on. Obviously the Liverpool need to plan for the unthinkable in terms of but they didn't look like a plan at all against Manchester United. And it was like, what are you doing? It but the most important thing going into tomorrow's game is we need to be winning the first ball, the second ball, third and fourth ball. The intensity needs to be there from the absolute outset. We've seen that kind of against Palace, but then we got frustrated. The crowd didn't get frustrated. The crowd will be getting behind the, the lads today and obviously everyone watching and listening around the world tomorrow. It's up to the players, most importantly. They need to put in a performance that warrants the crowd 
even if it's a slide tackle or a, a barge or something, just give the Sutton to, to go off. But in the last last three weekends, we've had nothing. And it was, and I was speaking to a couple of mates that went to Old Trafford. They were disappointing, man. They did the performance. It was like, and especially against that opposition. And it wouldn't surprise me if United get beat. I think I get, they're on the first game tomorrow midweek. Who are they playing? I don't, I don't even know. Uh, South Southampton of all teams. <laughs> uh, and I swear, if Southampton and Ralph Ramsey <laughs> turn up, uh, uh, playing Man United and get three points, that'd just be typical, <laughs> typical Premier League. <laughs> I, oh, I can't see that. I can't no. see that. But uh, no, focusing on an hour game. I mean, yeah. I don't know. You can look at the history books. You could say Liverpool have won each of their last six Premier League games against Bournemouth by an aggregate score of 19 to 1. So that's averaging um, more than three goals a game. Um, Bournemouth have lost seven of their eight away games against Liverpool in all competitions. Uh, it, you know, that's it in, in all time. They've only played eight away games, eight games at Anfield. Um, they've lost seven of them and drawn one. But they drew that against Jurgen Klopp back in 2017. That was a 2-2 draw at Anfield in the Premier League. Uh, I don't remember that, to be honest. I don't remember what happened yesterday. Um, but uh, yeah, the, uh, they played in midweek. They played against Norwich. Um, they drew 2-2, but they won on penalties in the Carabao Cup to qualify for the next round. Uh, they have played three league games. They won their first league game at home at Dean Court, I believe they play. And it's it was 2-0 against Stephen Gerrard's Aston Villa. Fantastic result for them. They followed that up with a 4-0 hammering by Manchester City. And then a 3-0 defeat to Arsenal, where at times they were shambolic. But I don't put any, any, um, what's the word? I don't put any... Uh, value on history at this point, Alan, because I think we just need to find a way. I'm not even looking for us to be fully up to speed at all, but just more up to speed. Um, what are your expectations going into tomorrow from us? I mean, like, do you think we can suddenly redes- redesire, rediscover our fire, or is it just like, you know, anything will do, a one nil, whatever? Yeah, well, I think we can rediscover it, but we need to do it in the first five minutes. Not, you know, that's that's been our problem this season. Um, we all know our, we usually start games and put the t- other team under pressure, and it's just not happening this this year. Uh, even to go back to the Man United game, I think that's probably one of the most frustrating parts of it for fans was City messed up. We had a chance, to, we had a chance to go and get gain a few points. I think that's probably what really upset us. But it wasn't the it was the no fight that, that got me. So against Bournemouth, we need to go out and we need to pin down back and score an early goal or two and get our confidence back. But if you're Bournemouth, with all, like, like you said, I don't believe in history. Records are meant to be broken and stats and things sometimes are, are put out there. And the reason they are stats is because they can be broken. Um, Bournemouth are not coming this year afraid of us, afraid of getting a transom. They're coming thinking, well, these are playing bad. We can get something here. So we need, what I want to see is us pinning them back for the first 15 minutes like we normally do, put them under so much pressure that we tire them out early and we get a goal. And then I'll say, yes, we're coming back. But if I see the same lacklustre performance for the first 10, 15 minutes, that, that's really worrying for me. I'm also a big believer as, as in you don't change a winning team. We're not winning now, we need to change the team. That's, yeah, that's let's get into that. Let's get into it. It's, it's a really good uh, point. Yeah, we do need to change. We need to change things. If, if he starts with Henderson in the six again and Milner, 
next to him. I mean, I, I don't mind if if Milner plays, you know, I you know, alongside Fabinho, I don't mind, or even Henderson plays alongside Fabinho, given our injury crisis. But it's 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 we need to do something. I mean, what are we going to do, Jack? Um, you know, stop me when you want to 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 when you disagree. Basically, what my team would obviously be Ali and Goal, Allison, Ramesses, Becker, and right back. Uh, I you got to play Trent. Calvin Ramsey's not fit. Um, Joe Gomez could play there if we had other centre backs, but we don't have other centre backs. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not playing Milner at right back. No, so so Trent, I mean, as awful as he was against United, and, and I think he deserves to be dropped, um, I'm playing Trent. Uh, I'm playing uh, Joe Gomez because we've got no one else to partner. Virgil, Big Virgil is also at the back. Costas, as we said, has got to get a chance. Uh, Tsimikas. Uh, and then in midfield, Fabinho, first name on the team sheet for me. Number six role, either side of him. It's interesting how AIDS uh, says in the chat, he, he said, I would definitely like to see Elliot and Carvalho start in the midfield together. I'm, I would do that. I would do that. I'd put them either side of Fabinho. Uh, and yes, if Bournemouth end up dominating the midfield physically, then yeah, we'd have to take one of them off, maybe at half time, which might not work uh, very well for their confidence. But I would start both of them and then up front we again we don't have much choice do we so it's got to be diaz Firmino, and oh i know what i do Firmino, and during the match Firmino and and carvalho could switch places you know so Firmino could drop into midfield oh that's what alan's written down he's just showing he's showing his alan's notes. got tactics board there go there down. you go exactly yeah exactly you stole my thunder you stole my oh thunder. sorry sorry so that's what i would do and then uh, obviously mo the magic man mo on the right of the attack but tactically they've got to be more in field diaz and, and mo salah they've got to come in field and the overlapping runs from the fullbacks have got to be wide. I don't want any any more of this. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. What do you reckon, Jack? Do you agree with all of that? Yeah, I'd go with that, mate. And obviously, Alan's got his quicker yet to his line up in a little second, mate. Yeah, I'd go with Carvalho. I wanted to see Carvalho play in the midfield. I know predominantly in pre-season, and obviously he's more. He's a naturally he's a number ten as time of Fulham. Obviously, a player that can play behind the striker. Um, Firmino will play because we've got no one unless three, one of those three plays up front for Liverpool. Um, probably play would yeah we'd much definitely play a bit more higher than Bobby did on Monty. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's I'd go with Carvalho and at the end of the day you're playing at home. You've got to be expressive. Yes, it might potentially leave us a bit more exposed, which it would do. But at the end of the day, we haven't got a too many. We haven't got. A Henderson too, from too many, too many, too many. We haven't got a, a Jordan Henderson from six years ago when he had his engine that's seen mm. as he drive on Milner. God bless him. Not Ben, he's a Benjamin Button of football. Um, I think I hope and wish, and I'm pretty sure Yen Clough and especially FSG wished he could freeze him in uh kryptonite anyway or <laughs> something, just, <laughs> just keep him young. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Carvalho, Fabinho in the six. Elliot, I'm hoping that we don't run Elliot into the ground already. He's just come good back point. from an injury, and we point. could, and come what the end of next season, we're looking at a very similar situation that we've got with 
quite a lot of these players already. Um, but he's got to play Elliot. He's 19. And worst scenario you want is him having a reoccurring injury or mus- muscular injuries, which is bound to happen at a young player, 19. So, yeah, the forward three picks itself. Uh, I'm all on the Kostasimikas train. Um, and the thing is, lads, as we so said, when he's come in, he's delivered. It's not a case of he's come in and been disappointed. I've seen people criticising his performance against Palace. At the end of the day, Liverpool were down to were down a man. And not just Kostas, but a lot of those players have to preoccupy two areas of the pitch. That's what happens when you're a man down. And we did more or less pin in. And that's what I liked when we pinned in Crystal Palace. But it took us a man sending off, being 1-0 down and uh, to do that. So, yeah, bring Kostas in. In an ideal world, I'd love to see Gomez, when all of our defenders are fit, play Gomez right back, a bit more defensive. Drop, as we could probably do in a whole other podcast. But I, I'd be all about putting trends in midfield, the way in which teams are identifying them, but not for this week. So I'll go Trent right back, Calvin Ramsey's injured. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Liverpool signing right back and he's injured. Um, but yeah, similar, the exact same team that you and Owen have probably got. Yeah, you and Alan have got, mate. Yeah. Interesting one from from Gary Richards in the chat. I've got this this sort of weird thing on YouTube where I'm I, I, um, I've got this uh, sort of chat box. I'm gonna I'm gonna try something because it's the first time I've used it. I'm gonna try and select Gary Richards's lineup because it's an interesting one. If I press select, what happens? It goes red and nothing happens. So there you go. Okay, uh, never mind. Um, so uh, I'll I, may, I guess I'll unselect it. Uh, doesn't make a difference, does it? Um, Alan, uh, Gary Richards reckons uh, the same back five as we were going for, but then in midfield, he would go with Elliot Carvalho and Bajetic in the middle, which is interesting. And then up front, Mo Salah, Clark, Bobby Clark and Luis Diaz. So Gary Richards has had enough of Bobby Firmino. He's had enough of Fabinho. Um would you would you risk either Bajetic or Bobby Clark from the start? Could be interesting. Well, going go by the team we picked, I wouldn't put both of them in um, because you'd have Carvalho and Harvey that are young players. So that'd be three young players. So that reason I wouldn't put them in at the start anyway. But I can see the I can see introducing them a bit more into the games um, because like Fabinho can't finish games. Um, so it's not a bad shout, but not not with the other two young midfielders. Yeah, okay, uh, Bob, I would agree with that. Go on, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Clark, uh, I, again, I wouldn't be throwing him in. I'd definitely give him a few minutes, uh, a few games and build him up, but I don't know enough about him, to be honest. Mm. But, but um, like I think, like we said there with Firmino and Carvalho, I think Firmino will, can be in there holding up the ball, but he can he can step back into the midfield and let Carvalho come forward. So I think that's that's a great option. I think that's what we should try this week. Um, yeah, you know, I think Bobby got a lot of criticism the other night as well. Like, and we all know that the false number nine is nearly gone now. You know, I think that's why we bought Darwin as well. Like, in our false number nine position is gone. But Bobby was very deep the other night. But Bobby follows instructions. Bobby was deep because he was told to be deep. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. be too hard on him for that. Um, but yeah, definitely, like you said, Bobby and Cavalio switching positions when Cavalio goes forward would, would be ideal for me. And yeah. just go out and beat them. Just go out with that attitude and beat them. Anything, any kind of win would be lovely. Uh, Aid's got a really interesting uh, idea. But before that, Glasgow Red Chats, John is here. Hello, John from Glasgow Red Chats. Give John a follow. He's got an interesting idea as well. Very interesting idea. 
Jack, because he he reckons that Ali and goal put Gomez at right back and Nat Phillips, who, you know, even though we talked about him earlier, slipped my mind. Because, you know, if you're going to combat Kiefer Moore, Nat Phillips is your man. Uh, and then VVD and Simikas on, on the left. Uh, and then in midfield, John's going Fabinho, Hendo and Carvalho. And then up front, he's saying Diaz, Salah in the middle and Elliot out wide. Um, that's an interesting one. Do, what do you reckon of that, of that lineup, Jack? Yeah, it's, I'd do that, but we spoke about injuries and how to please at Liverpool. I've been, I'd rather have a centre back on the bench just in case, because you never know with Van Dyke or we'd be left in a, a, a very bad predicament in relation to obviously no matter. So for me, I'd, I'd keep a centre back on the bench. I think against a better opposition potentially. But I'd rather, and we've seen against Palace, God help Nat Phillips. If he had some pace about him, he'd be probably one of the best centre-backs in Europe. But he's got a lot of limitations to his game and he tries his best. But I suppose you probably could play Nat Phillips against Bournemouth, given that they have not got Bournemouth a lot of pacey yeah, players, for example. Obviously, but yeah, it's I'd just keep Gomez on, mate. Because we've seen that against Palace, we tried that. We started with Nat Phillips and then we went 1-0 down and then we changed it. So I don't want Jürgen to be messing about with centre-halves. The most important thing is messing about with your attackers and your midfielders if it isn't going wrong. But there's not a lot of a prefer really of, of, of options. I think the only two options against Man United were Carvalho off the bench and Costa Simicus being a left-back, which is really concerning. We just need players back. But Jürgen, as, as Alan alluded to, He's got to deal with what he's got. He's dealt with to deal with the cards in which he's been dealt. I like it. The casino analogies are yeah. coming out. Yeah, very good. <laughs> very good. I like it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, unless you give the kids a chance. When I mean, we had we had uh, Bobby Clark on the bench, we had the uh, Bajetic on the bench against uh, against United. But uh, there you go. Um, I think we may as well wrap this up for now. I want to thank everybody on the chat. This is the all new cop on YouTube. Uh, as well as everybody who's listening to the audio podcast. Honestly, it's season five now of Cop on the Audio podcast. And I absolutely love the fact that so many people from around the world uh, have been listening. Um, please, if you can, share Cop on, if you can, subscribe. Although we've just started on YouTube, we've got 210 subscribers, which is really, really great. Appreciate all of you. Um, but our goal is to get a thousand. So if you can, you know, push it up towards a thousand, that would be really cool. Um, and otherwise, um, uh, yeah, soon I'll be I'll be speaking to someone from uh, Mick Cronin Appeal. He'll, he'll come and t tell you all about that. Who's someone who's uh, raising money to, uh, I believe, go away for an operation? As I remember, I can't remember. I think that was need someone who needs an operation. But well, I'll give you a lot more details on that soon. Um, which is, uh, you know, if you can give something to a good cause, then do that. You know, that's uh, something that's always, always nice to do. We like to do that. Uh, anyway, thank you to everybody. Um, have you ever had food poisoning, Alan? Because I had food poisoning about 10 days ago. I put some, it's supposed to be extra mature cheddar cheese, but it was extra, extra mature, if you know what I mean. And and I smelled it and it smelled a bit mad. And I thought, well, that's, I'll take the risk. 
I regretted it. And I spent uh, hours and hours like, you know, you feel your blood has been poisoned. And I was, you know, ejecting all manner of interior fluids outside through any kind of orifice. It was absolutely disgusting. Don't know if you ever had food poisoning, Alan, but I would prefer to have another cheddar cheese nightmare than lose against Bournemouth. Um, what, I mean, what, what can you say? What would you, I mean, would you rather get a kick in the teeth or lose to Bournemouth? I don't know. Uh, first of all, I have had food poisoning and it's horrible. Uh, yeah. you, you brought back a memory when I was about 14, I got food poisoning and I hadn't ate in about two days. And oh, wow. like you said, it was coming out of everywhere. Oh, but my mother's roast potatoes are the best in the world. And on the Sunday, I never forget promising I was feeling better. And she brought up, I was still in bed, she brought up the, the dinner to me. And I threw the two roast potatoes down me as quick as I could because I knew they were coming back up. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, Mammy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and yeah, will I take it that over losing? Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> oh, no, you get back to bed. Okay. I'd go back to bed, yeah, and over losing again. Yeah, we need to get going. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> and what about you, Jack? Yeah, food? Well, no, I've never had it, but it's, it's one of the worst feelings I think of is watching Liverpool lose games of football. It just wrecks your week, doesn't it? Like it this last three weeks, and you got Man United fans crawling out the the cobwebs as well. At every angle, it's like, where have you been for the last two, three years? But, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, but uh, so let let them enjoy their week. Come on, the Saints as well. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'd say food poison over it. As long as it meant Liverpool getting three points, guys. Um, uh, as long as the Reds get three points, that's the most important thing this week, right? Exactly. It really is. And what's been go- what's going on with uh, Anfield Road TV, Jack, these days? Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much, Owen, for having me on. It's great to speak to Alan, obviously all the listeners and watchers. Um, please do head over to the Cop On podcast as well. Uh, subscribe to obviously Owen Shannon's doing amazing work over the last not just this season but over the last couple of seasons. Um, but yeah, um, Anfield Road TV, we've got the rival point of view show at 9 pm tonight that will be on Facebook and YouTube and it will be available on podcast form a bit later as well. But yeah, and then we've got the watch along tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully, I'm not watching another Liverpool defeat, but we'll find out tomorrow. Come what four o'clock, <laughs> we'll see where we are. But uh, thank you, Owen, for having me on, and everyone, and Alan. Have a lovely day. Hopefully the Reds can put a, a big positive uh, and a big spring in our step this weekend. But uh, cheers, mate. We need it. We need it. We need the finest aged Conte and not that stinky cheddar that I had 10 days ago. Um, great to have everybody in the chat as well. If you want to follow us on YouTube, you can. That's absolutely wonderful stuff. And Glasgow Red Chats, John, um we'll leave the final word with him he said i'd rather a kick in the balls than to lose this game and i i i couldn't agree more thank you very much everybody it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much we'll speak to you soon you'll never walk alone thank you